Well, good morning. It is good to see each and every one of you here today, and I want to thank you so much for your prayers and all the outpouring of support that my family and I have had over the past week and a couple weeks. And as I was uh, thinking about last week, how I brought a, a, uh, a pause, if you will, to the book of Revelation during the six and seven trumpets, I was thinking before I go out of my temporary hiatus, if you will, this week, uh, I said, Lord, well, you know, what can, what kind of message could I bring to the church to encourage you to press on? And again, you know, I, I, to, to me, myself, in, in the past couple of weeks as I was speaking with somebody before the service, that my mind's gone a lot of places. I think the humanity part of us, we all struggle in areas. But the problem sometimes is, is we rely more on our humanity than we do Christ. And I want to encourage you this morning to uh, be faithful and be encouraged in the words of the Lord. And if you have your Bibles, I ask with you, with, to you, uh, if you would, to turn to the book of Numbers. Now, I want to go over the book of Numbers for a few moments this morning. And I want to, again, be an encouragement to you is, is in the next few weeks, I will not be here. And maybe a little bit longer as I go through my surgery. But I promise you that the Word of God will be preached from this pulpit. The people will lead with direction by the Almighty God. It should never matter who's in the pulpit as long as the Word of God is preached. So please don't ever forget that. And that's with any church, any congregation. We don't follow men. Men let us down. We follow Jesus. Okay? So I want to give you some words of encouragement from the book of Numbers. Now, I don't know how many of you love diving into the Old Testament. I do. Okay, because look, to me, uh, as I've said many times before, the Word of God is the Word of God, whether new or old. Okay, and if you could just read the Old Testament to see where we were and to see where Christ has brought us, it's all laid out. Every word is God's Word. And this morning, I'm going to talk about the book of Numbers and give you a little overview and talk about a few things that we need to look at. You see, in the book of Numbers, you will find that the setting of this book it's not only about numbers that has something to do with it, but numbers is about two years out from the departure from the Israelites from Egypt. Okay, And what you will see in this book is a lot of beautiful things and narratives that you might have heard take place. Balaam's narratives, the talking of the donkey. Uh, Moses holding up the, the, the serpent, if you will, when they were bit, or the, you know holding up for the people being bit by the serpent. Uh, then you will also find in this book, that there'll be a census. God would tell them how to place their encampment. He would also tell them how the priestly instructions for holding the ark and the tabernacle. And all these beautiful narratives are in the book of Numbers. Okay, But one of the primary themes of the book of Numbers is their failure at Kadesh Barnea. Okay? You see, let me give you an overview of what's going on. God tells Moses, and this is Reader's Digest, he says, look, all right, get you a man from each tribe, and I want you to go and spy out the land that I've given you. Now you take the leader from each tribe, or one person, and they go out and they look at this land that I have given you flowing with milk and honey. 
So the men go. And as these men go out to look into the promised land that God had promised to give them, they return back with a report. Now I often think about this because you know if you ever talk to ten people who have witnessed any kind of action, there's always going to be a different side of the story in the point of view that that person saw it. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever played the, have you ever played the book or, or the game Telephone? You start with one end, then you go to the other end. By the time it gets to the other end, it's either unbelievable or it's the story is completely changed. Now, I also used to work with a guy that often told me, he said, man, a story ain't worth telling unless there's a hot lie added to it. <laughs> so a lot of times we like to embellish stories or we focus on things that we see that are really things that should not be focused on. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers, Numbers, book of Numbers, 13, chapter 13. And I'm going to read a portion of this story. Then I'll fill in the gaps for you, if you will. Numbers 13, now take in, take in consideration, they've been sent out to spy the land that God, listen, God had given them. Now don't miss this. God had given them this. This is yours. Go get it. Now, when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness at Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus told him, thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. These are people that are very tall, very large group of people that are very tall in stature. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying that the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw Nephilim. The sons of Anak are a part of the Nephilim. And we became the grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now I want you to think about this. Now God had told Moses to send these guys out to spy out the land that was given to him. Now they saw the rewards of the land, but they came distracted about the obstacles in the land. Okay? They became distracted about what they saw. And I want to tell you the rest of the story before I get into the sermon. You see, what happened was 10 of these guys said they couldn't do it. They turned the congregation against Moses and the leaders. 
and they rebelled against God. The Bible will go on to tell us that God would tell them, and every one of your bodies will lay in this land in which you are. Every human being of that generation would die, except three. Moses would bury, be buried by God. Caleb and Joshua would enter into the promised land. But that was theirs for the taking, and they refused to go because they were more concerned about the obstacles before them than what they were in their faith and trust in God. See, let me explain something to you that my son told me the other day. He said, Daddy, a professor told me something I think we often misunderstand. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. He said, it's not about how much faith you have. You hear everybody say, well, you don't have enough faith, or you have this, or you need to have more faith. It's not about how much faith you have. It's who you have your faith in. There's a big difference. So as we go through this, let me tell you a little bit of story and make this story applicable to us. I want you to look at one word that shook the whole foundation of this congregation. And it begins in verse 28. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. What had happened is, look, this is what there is, but. This is what they have, but. How many of you focus on the nevertheless and the but? You see, if you read the book of Numbers all the way through, you'll find that God does not tolerate rebellion and complaining. God cannot stand a complainer. I have shared this many times with many people about how many times you call somebody, no matter how bad you are off, somebody's a little bit worse. Always got to bring attention to themselves. Yeah, I mean, God's provided me this, but... And we all have lived like that. You cannot convince me that we've not had all those moments on our humanity side. And see, that's what the devil loves to use. The nevertheless to get your focus on the blessings of God. You focus on the nevertheless. And I'm not going to lie to you, my nerves have been shot for two and a half weeks. But you know what had happened? That when God, when, when the Satan does those things to you and the nevertheless consumes you, then I cannot do the purpose that God called me to do. Because if I am distracted by the obstacles, then I will not accomplish the purpose that he has called me to do. And I want you to be encouraged and learn two points from the nevertheless. Number one, listen. Don't let the obstacles get in the way of your vision. Do not let obstacles get in the way of your vision. Never will forget during World War II that they were asking Patton about the Maginot Line in France. And he replied, it's monuments to man's stupidity. For that that can be built by man can be conquered by man. Think about this. That that man does can be conquered by man. How greater is God? God is greater to move obstacles. You see right here, they saw the fruit of the land. 
They saw what God had promised them. Now, Chad, God has not promised me fruit. Oh, but yes, he has. Yes, he has. He has promised not to leave you or forsake you. See, there's a difference, my friends, in joy and happiness. Happiness is being content with the things of man. Joy is being overwhelmed by the things of God. Don't ever forget that. That is why James tells us to consider the joy when we go through trials or tribulations. Don't look at the obstacle. Look at the outcome. I can promise you when I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't flip cartwheels and say, praise the Lord. Did we do that, Doris? No, we didn't. But we know who holds our hands through it. And you see here, there's so many times we look at the obstacles ahead of us and we see ourselves in these valleys. And I'm going to promise you, listen to me. And I've said this many times. Me and Paul were talking about this a little earlier. Paul and I, rather. Sorry, my English. But listen, rest assured, as long as you're on this earth, you're going to go through a trial. You're either headed toward a furnace, you're going to be in the furnace, or you're coming out of it. There's not going to be any way around it. That's a mathematical fact. It's a biblical fact. You will have trouble. Now, either you can see the goodness and keep your vision focused on the Lord, or you can be like the ten spies and worry about the men before you. You see, do you see this familiar scene here? They were so scared about the stature of the men. They were so scared about their numbers. They were so scared about their their size, but they did not comprehend because they were so distracted by the obstacles about the battle was not theirs, but God's. Just because you're big doesn't mean anything. Ask Saul. What do you mean, Chad? As Saul went before the army, the Philistines, of all people that could have stood before Goliath was Saul. How do you say that, Chad? Because the Bible tells me he what? Stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Saul was a big man. But he was distracted and he was afraid. The whole army trembled at what they saw was a big guy. And we've missed this. We've missed the story of David and Goliath. We think it's about little can overcome big. No, it's God can overcome all. Because what had happened, listen, what had happened is when David, the shepherd boy, hears about it, he says, who is this Philistine that is uncircumcised that curses the very name of God? He saw, he didn't see an obstacle. He saw his God profaned. And he knew God was greater. And he went into battle and God fought it. Oh, it does flow with milk and honey. It does have beautiful fruit, but nevertheless... Nevertheless, we can't take it. Let me tell you something else about nevertheless, and I want you to hear this real clearly. And I hope if you don't hear anything else I've said that I'm going to say in this short sermon, you need to hear this. Especially they. Write this down. Number two, I should have put this number one. The majority is not always right. The majority is not always right. What happened is the congregation turned because of ten men 
and they wouldn't rally behind two men that had guts. You see, just because the majority agreed did not mean it was the right thing to do. Please hear me on this. It's not so much as how many people you listen to, but who you listen to that's based on Scripture. Guys, nowadays, more than ever, you are more concerned and, and you're concerned. I, I, you know, the funny thing about it is, is this. I get on face gossip just like everybody else does. Okay? I, I, I love it because you know what? The thing about it is, is you'll learn a lot about people on Facebook. You see, a lot of people don't realize that we, we, yourself comes out. Okay? And you see all these things. and you. But one thing that amazes me is how many people are complaining about gas? Okay? Now, look, I had to fill up my little truck, and it was 60-something dollars. That's a lot of money. I got to make a lot of trips. That's a lot of money. But the one thing I said, I could complain about the gas, or I could complain about, you know, or, or could rejoice that I don't have a missile coming through my window either. I'm not being attacked. And I'm not having to worry about my children getting missiles shot at them. However, listen, I am concerned about the evil in the world. And I am concerned about all the things that go on. But listen to me real clearly. The reason we're distracted by these things is we have forgotten who has given us all these things. We have forgotten who's in control. And I want to encourage you this morning that you can do one of thing, two things in your life. You can either embrace that God's promises are faithful. Now let me tell you this. He's talking about His children. Those that have been born again and born again believers in Jesus Christ. Let me make this perfectly clear. And I want everybody to hear this. If you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins and following Him and sold out completely to Him, you're not His child. Okay? I'm not going to sugarcoat that for anybody. And I'm not just saying because you prayed a prayer or because you believe in Jesus. It's committing to Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and following Him, which is a daily walk. If you've been impacted by Christ, you're no longer the same. So, I'm talking to His children. If you're not His children, if you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I pray that you turn to Him before it's eternally too late. But I'm talking about God's children. Listen to me. What we have to do as God's children is get our eyes back on the mountain instead of looking at the valley in front of us. Where's your obstacle? What is your obstacle that keeps you walking close to Christ? What is the obstacle? You see, a lot of times... Just like the majority tells us that this is what we should do. Have you ever noticed that what the majority is telling you is how to treat the symptom and not become the cure? The reason these things happen, as I've told you every week for the past five, men love darkness rather than light. It's a heart issue with everything. Everything is a heart issue. Hate is taught. But hate 
we are born with because we are rebellers against God. So when we're taught, it just manifests itself even greater. But those that place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as God's children have been given a promise. Okay? Not only is our promise to dwell with Him eternally, but God promised to never leave us or forsake us. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, and I'm not a psychologist. Thank God. But I will tell you this. But what if my situation leads me into a worse situation? What if my situation, I die? What if in my situation, it don't look like milk and honey? Let me tell you this from my personal perspective. But what God's laid upon me. There's no greater peace, regardless of what happens, than knowing that you're in the presence of Christ. No greater peace. You know why? Because as a Christian, listen, your promise is a win-win. Whether you stay on this earth through this trial or whether you leave this earth, it's a win-win. Because Christ will walk with you, or when you leave this earth, Christ will be with you. It's a win-win. You see, now what happened because of the nevertheless is the people of Israel refused to follow. And you know the rest of the story. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. They refused to listen. And God let them all die in the desert. God does not like complaining. He does not like rebellion. Now, that being said, again, we have two choices. We can either look at the mountain or embrace the obstacles in the valley. Which are you going to do? You see, I've been told over the next few weeks it's going to be difficult for a lot of us in a lot of ways. Now, it's easy for me to get distracted with that obstacle. It's easy for me to complain. I'll be honest with you. See, I'm going to tell you one thing about me, and like I say, this interim service, I'm going to go out with a bang anyway, or this intermission for me. But I want you, I want you to think about this. I try to be transparent with you. I'm not some guy that gets up here and tells you what to do and tries to go home and live something total opposite. I want to be transparent with you. I struggle just like you do. I am same, susceptible to the same issues that you are. I hurt, I struggle, I worry, and it's sinful. I struggle too. But when I get along with God and I read His Word, it tells me clearly that's exactly what Satan wants me to do. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to be so occupied with what's around you to forget who has you. Is that you this morning? Now I want you to understand that over the next few weeks, like I said, the Word of God is going to be preached from this pulpit. It's going to be spoken in this church. The Word of God's not going to change. You support this church. And you pray for me and you pray for others and you pray for each other. Because I'm going to tell you something. God is at work here. And God does not need any one of us. But He has called us to be obedient to His Word and His will. 
Now, we can complain about it or we can press on through it. But it is my prayer for each one of you that we're not like the ten spies that, that turns the other people, the majority, that says we can't be done. But like the two that took a faithful voice and said, God's given us, let's go. You see, understand this if you understand the theme. And I'll close with this. If you see the theme throughout the Bible, it's always a remnant. You ever notice that? It's always the few. That not everybody's going to believe. That not everybody's going to agree. But the few that stand faithful, they are the ones that embrace the promise. They are the ones that see the reward of the suffering. And it's just like with us. If we are faithful and stand firm on what God's promised, no matter what comes our way, God will deal with it and walk with us through it. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for all that You continue to give us. Lord, we thank You that even in our unworthiness, through Your Son Jesus Christ, we are found worthy. God, I pray today that You move among us. That, Lord, You remove obstacles that are before us. But, Lord, if You do not remove the obstacle, You walk with us as You promised through them. And, Lord, there's always a hurricane. There's always an eye to that storm. Lord, we find peace in the eye. And Lord, in the midst of the storm, that when we get hit with one side, Lord, in that peace, give us the strength to go through the other side of that storm. Lord, You are faithful in Your promises. You are true to Your Word. Lord, the book of Numbers is important because it teaches us of failures due to disobedience. It teaches us that Lord, we're to be faithful to Your Word and that that You promised You will not lie on. You don't lie, God. You are sinless. You are perfect. You are holy. And God, You are faithful to Your Word. We would just trust it. God, I pray that if there's one here that does not know You, and Lord, most importantly, that You don't know them, that You would convict their heart before it's eternally too late. God, it's not about what words You uttered. It's not about where You went to church. God, I grew up in church all my life and didn't have a relationship with You. It's not knowing the right answers, Lord, but being changed by the personal relationship with You. When we repent of our sins, and hold firmly to the faith that we possess because of Your Son, Jesus. God, I pray that we would be a beacon of evangelism to this community. The Lord, when the majority says this is the way to go, the Lord, we would stay faithful to the promises. We may be the few, but Lord, You promised to walk with the righteous. God, will give You the praise and glory for all things. We love you and we praise your name and all God's people said, stand and worship with us as we close.